1: Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, What You Should Know When Becoming an Entrepreneur, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at ab. And p.com. Now, let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Amanda Neely is a small business and financial professional. She founded and ran Overflow Coffee Bar L3C from 2008 through 2018. Now, she shares her experiential knowledge through podcasting and through developing personalized financial strategies for individuals and couples and profitability strategies for businesses. Her goal is to work with people who take charge of their cash flow, leverage their assets, and increase their profitability in ways that would make their grandma proud. So, Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, I gave a very brief bio for you, but I would love for you to tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you actually became an entrepreneur. Yeah, so I've always been the kind of
2: person that wanted to make a difference in the world. And at first, I thought that I would make that difference through nonprofit work. And that's where I started my career after college. Really enjoyed that. But then I got the entrepreneurial bug after seeing how really the small businesses within local communities make such a big difference. They uh, give people jobs. They raise them out of poverty. They give back to local schools. They do all kinds of really great things that I wanted to be part of on that kind of grassroots level. Um, yeah. And that that was really, I was like, okay, I'm doing this. Uh, my husband and I, we decided to jump in uh, head first together, and we wrote our first business plan. We bootstrapped everything, and it really has been a growth experience for me. I've learned a ton through that process.
1: Well, and it sounds like you actually started. Pretty well, considering you talked about a business plan and everything, too. A lot of people just start a business and have no idea even what they're going to be doing, you know. Too too true, (laughs) too true. (laughs) It's good that you did that. So, like, how did you decide then to even do a coffee shop? I read in your bio, you know, you had this coffee shop. So why a coffee shop versus something else in terms of being an entrepreneur?
2: Yeah. So from my husband's side, he grew up going to coffee shops that were kind of the hub in his neighborhoods growing up. And so, and most of our like dating time we spent at coffee shops going on coffee dates. That was kind of something we loved. And from my perspective, I also had learned about the uh, the fate of farmers that grew the coffee and how a lot of them weren't making enough from the price they were able to get on that coffee were being taken advantage of within the, um, within the market there. And so I thought, well, what if we paid them a fair wage and ensured kind of that fair trade idea um, that could totally transform them and their communities as well?
1: Mm hmm. Well, and as you're talking, you know, these are all things that I didn't think of ahead of time, right, for this interview. But as I'm talking, there's questions that are just popping in my head. So I hope you don't mind me, you know, throwing out these questions that are I'm an open you know, unplanned. But Obviously, so if you're going to pay a fair wage, right, that means your product here is more expensive and things too. So do you find that customers are willing to like pay that higher price knowing you're making a difference somewhere else? Or do you think it was still hard being a coffee shop trying to compete with other coffee shops that maybe weren't paying the same for their product and being able to be competitive?
2: Yeah, the very common question that we got all the time. And as we dug into it when we were in that planning phase and figuring things out, we actually discovered that whether you're doing just the normal model of fair trade or what we call direct trade model, where you're going directly with the farmers and you're cutting out a lot of the middlemen, mm-hmm. the shop owner that actually sells it to the end user that's going to drink it makes about the same. Mm, okay. We were able to put more money into the hands of the coffee farmers by cutting out all those middlemen that would
1: take their cut of it. Right. Nice. That's nice to hear because we all want to make a difference, right? right? And if you can have where you're impacting someone who is working as hard as they can to provide you know their service, that's amazing. Yeah. So obviously we heard that, you know, you're not necessarily doing this anymore, but I would love to hear um, what was your biggest transformational moment in your business? Yeah, it was really
2: um, in the month of July of 2013. So about seven years ago. And that was uh, the day we were doing some documentary screenings, getting people together, watching those documentaries, having conversations afterward and we chose a documentary that our friend Mark said, you got to show this one. I think it ties in really well with uh, the kinds of things you talk about. And when the credits rolled on that documentary, I was furious at Mark for not telling me what this documentary uh, was sharing. Cause he already knew this. This is actually what he did for a living. And it had to do with what we do with our money, where we bank, how, mm-hmm. how we work with our cash flow, stuff like that. And, from that moment forward, I was like, Mark, I'm working with you. You need to carve out time on your calendar. I've got to talk to you.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: that sent us on this whole trajectory of figuring out how we manage our own money on our personal side, within our business, all of those things. We had kind of just assumed we were doing the right thing and not questioned it before then. And mm-hmm. the Mark that I'm referring to has actually been a guest on this
1: podcast before. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I was thinking about that. So, yeah, if you want to actually, you know, toot his horn a little bit too, if he's helped you, feel free. Yeah,
2: Mark has been great. Uh, literally, I would not be where I am today without him. Um, I He's a certified financial planner, but in and, and a lot of ways, people know what, or they think they know what that means, but I. I would almost guarantee you Mark is not like the certified financial planner that you know, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. He he is such a giver, such uh, looking out for other people's best interests and takes the time with people to really talk through um, and help them make the best decisions for themselves, not giving that, you know, saying, well, you should do this or well, you should do that. He's really in the empowerment
1: area. Right. Well, and it's so important to find someone who's wanting to work with you and, you know, really help you, not just, you know, make their own dollars or something, too. And so when you find the right professionals who are willing to help you figure those things out, it's important. And I do know, too, in the field that I am, you know, we do bookkeeping and payroll, and I'm wanting to advise clients as well on, you know, things that are going to impact their profitability. But there are a lot of people that don't really understand the finances. They're running a business. They come to us and things are just, you know, not where they should be or they've had to put a lot of their personal money into and so we do try to help as well so you know having those professionals is really important absolutely so so you found this you know this transformational moment and then a couple months later you have a crisis so can you tell me that story absolutely this is one of Uh, My favorite stories
2: to tell now, but living through it was not fun. Um, A little while later, after we started working with Mark, there was this thing called the polar vortex that took Mm -hmm. hold of Chicago. And for about three months of time, the temperatures were negative 20 degree Fahrenheit. It was really cold. No one was leaving their house. Mm -hmm. Um, No one was buying coffee. And it was kind of our like very similar to what a lot of businesses are going through with COVID-19, where just Uh sales came to a screeching halt. We couldn't, like, how are you going to entice somebody to leave their home (laughs) um, when they're not going anywhere? For for their safety, too, right? It was dangerous Uh to be out in those temperatures. Um, And we were so thankful that we had started to be a little smarter about our cash flow, make sure not all of our money was leveraged all the time, all of those kind of things. And that also gave us the opportunity to say, well, then how can we also take advantage of the this, this as a way to grow our business? And we did hear from the few people that still had to go to work that their employers were now doing more. Uh, lunches on site, right? Uh-huh. So that people didn't have to go out and find lunch. So guess what we did? We started uh-huh. a catering service. <laughs> and <Nice. laughs> um, we, we had kind of dabbled in catering before then, but that was our, our you know uh, calling moment to get that catering menu set in stone to really promote it. And that became a big part of how we got through those three months. And it became something that kept our business going and became a significant source of revenue um, in the future as well.
1: Right. Well, I think that's important to point out, as you're saying, too, people are dealing with COVID right now, too, and their businesses are struggling. And what can you do, you know, with the challenges? Like, what opportunities do you see? There are opportunities. It's sometimes hard to find them. But, you know, what can you do in your business? And not every business can't. I mean, some have to be completely shut down, you know, because of the industry they're in. But if you're open, and you're only partly open, or like, what can you do to, you know, pivot a little bit or find a new product or service to offer that is in need because of that, you know, current crisis?
2: Yeah. And I think the, the key for us was that we talked to our best customers and we asked mm. them, what what is life looking like for you? What's changed because of the crisis we're going through? And that's what showed us the way forward. It, then it wasn't a guess. We knew uh-huh. these people are going to now go to the person that's in charge of ordering lunch and give them our menu. And we're right. a lot more likely to make sales then rather than just you know going blindly into the dark.
1: Right. Exactly. It's so important. And I think, you know, like I said, part of that is having that communication and being able to reach out and, and get the feedback and be willing to ask for that information, too, and not just try to make a, assumptions of what you think might be, you know, good to do in this situation, you know, because we kind of come from our own perspective, but we don't always know what, you know, other people are thinking. So it's good to have that capability and, and desire to actually find out what they're thinking. Yep. 100%. So then what was your next biggest challenge that you faced? So it
2: wasn't too long after then that the building that our coffee shop was in had the roof being repaired and a nice sunny day in Chicago. And then all of a sudden a big storm rolled in that no one saw coming and our coffee shop got flooded because the roof was Mm -hmm. off and that became such a hard time because we had to literally like close that brought all sales to a a screeching halt. Uh, We had to wait for, you know, the insurance and the Mm -hmm. um, loss of business uh, things to come through. And we still had to pay our rent um, Mm -hmm. for the business, but also personally and buy groceries and stuff. And that was probably the biggest time that we were thankful that we had some cash just sitting aside. That was our emergency fund to get through that because we didn't know it at the time, but I was a couple of weeks pregnant at that point as well. Mm-hmm. And so we found that out a month or so later after everything had kind of recovered and business was back up and running and we had kind of figured things out. And that if, So one, without that cash, we have not gotten through that emergency or we would have been, we had had to rush and go into credit card debt or go to a bank and try to get a line of credit or something in order to make ends meet during that time. But then two we, when we found out we were pregnant, we decided we want to look at our options and see what we need to do with this business. Cause the way that it's operating right now is not the way we want to raise our child mm-hmm. in that environment. And because we had some of that cash available, that increased our options. And we started talking to people. It wasn't, we're trying to sell this business with a bunch of debt. It was, we're trying to sell this business and it's at least covered all of its bills. Right. Um, and we're, we're taking an income from it. Um, and you know, so what what do you think? And we ended up, we did end up selling that business um, because we had that healthy uh, environment that we could um, uh, invite someone else into.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think like you're saying a couple of times yeah. you've had cash available. I think that's one of the things I try to encourage customers of mine too, to really like put money aside. I know things might be tight sometimes, but really start building up kind of that rainy day fund or something, because you never know what could happen. And sometimes you need it because something isn't, you know, working well and you need to dip into it for that. But sometimes it's because an opportunity arises and you also need to have cash available for that too. And I think that's sometimes hard for people to think about, well, I could be using it to, you know, buy more inventory to do this, but really thinking of what can you be doing to put money away and have savings and where is that going to be? So it's liquid, you know, I think that's important.
2: Absolutely, because that, that's a really good point to like triple underscore that <laughs> uh, when you have cash available, when an opportunity comes your way, you're ready for it, mm-hmm. right? Um, you're not scrambling to figure out how you're going to do it. And often opportunities find those who have the cash available for it.
1: Right. Well, and you were talking about, you know, you had this screeching halt where you didn't have any sales, and then you had, you know, where you were able to sell it. So how long between the time that you had the screeching halt, did you have to kind of rebuild before you were able to sell?
2: Yeah, so we, the flood happened at the very end of July, beginning of August. Uh, We found out we were pregnant in September. So that's when we started having conversations we were uh, fortunate enough that there was actually someone who had come to us over and over again through, mm. throughout the years saying, would you ever think about selling? And we thought they were <laughs> joking. <laughs> and so we, we that, that was one of the people we went and talked to and said, were you serious? And mm. he was like, yeah, I was serious. And... We started, you know, talking to the attorneys, getting all the things together and decided January 2nd would would be when we actually like did the official transfer Mm -hmm. of all the assets to him. And uh, it's actually a nonprofit that he's the owner of or the executive director of that ended up purchasing the business. Um, And that so it was was a pretty short amount of time. um, And it was good there was a whole bunch of accounting things that we probably could talk about <laughs> that right. we, we did to make sure they understood that was a blip, right? But we've got mm-hmm. this bigger track record and all that.
1: Right, that's fabulous. Well, we're actually coming up upon our first break. So we will come back and continue to chat with Amanda about how you can save your business in a crisis as well. Uh, you're listening to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break.
0: America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you? Reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. You are listening to BizHelp for you. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at a-b-a-n-d-p.com. Now, back to bizhelp For You.
1: Welcome back to BizHelp for you with Candy Messer. In the last segment, Amanda Neely told us about her background and how she became an entrepreneur and some of the challenges she faced. Now let's continue our discussion. So, Amanda, we were talking about the coffee shop, the flooding, you know, the selling and all of that. So, can you just summarize the lessons that you've learned from those experiences?
2: Yeah, you were already catching on some of those. Uh, One of them being, you know, keeping liquid cash available and accessible in case of emergencies or opportunities. And... Um, A big lesson we learned was like where to put that, where to store it so that it wasn't just hidden away and not growing at all, but could be growing, but still uh, accessible. Um, And then kind of tied to that was how to make sure we were setting aside some of that money. What did that look like when we thought, well, we're just barely making ends meet, even a 1% shift of Mm -hmm that the gross revenue to uh, that emergency fund could make a big difference. And then growing that, you know, over time to 2% and 3%. But And then the biggest thing, we came across this guy that we had actually connected with way back before we ever opened. His name is Perry Marshall. Um, and he's got a book called 80-20 Sales and Marketing, where he goes into the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. Um that 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. And mm-hmm. each chapter within that book is a way that you can implement eighty twenty in your business mm. and really like, treats 80-20 like a rule or like a verb where uh, you're 80-20ing okay. the stuff in your business, your staff, <laughs> your sales, your, like your marketing efforts, all the things. And that was really, when it came down to it, when we decided our business has to be profitable. We have to be taking money out of the business and setting it aside for long-term retirement, for opportunities to grow the business, for an emergency. If if that's a given, we have to figure that out. This book was really the how do we figure that out and gave us so many insights into uh, the ways to get more results from less effort and to focus on what was actually working really well. Um, Kind of those three things combined together, how to do, like how to have cash in a safe, stable place that's growing um, is like one way of thinking that uh, we like to, Call Bank on Yourself, which is a trademark that somebody else has, but uh, that's the like vein that we go in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thought leader there, her name is Pamela Yellen. She's a really great uh, thinking about that. Um, and then the whole idea of um, taking profit first um, is Profit First by this guy mm-hmm. named Mike McAllowitz, really great system for businesses. And then, so it's kind of the third thought leader. Um, mm-hmm. And then or the second thought leader, and then the third one being Perry Marshall with this whole idea of uh, then how do you make it happen? What are the, the what's the formula, right? Not here are right. the answers, but what's the formula to, to make sure that
1: you have some profit that you can set aside? Well, I think that's important, too. It's like I said earlier, a lot of people don't even think about putting money aside. And I've been encouraging people to to have, you know, some type of savings. And sometimes you hear people say three months, six months, whatever, but you're talking percentages. So how did you decide, you know, you're going to look at a percentage to save instead of like a certain period of time?
2: Yeah, that uh, actually comes from uh, the whole concept of profit first, it is a percentage based uh, system. And What kind of the idea being that if you can start a habit um, of setting aside that money and start with something as small as 1%, I mean, if you can run your business on 100%, you can run your business on 99%. It's really easy to start there. But then once you start doing that and you're building that habit, you start to see ways to increase that 1% to 2%. Then you see a way to make it 3%. And it really becomes almost like gamifying (laughs) Making your
1: business more profitable. Right. And like I said, I think it's important for people to really think about that because, yes, times are tough but there can be some very small changes that can be made that can just give you that little 1% or something to start. And what can that be? And it may not be right in the middle of the crisis that you could do that. Right, Right now, someone may not be able to do that, but as they come out and they start operating again, you know, what can they do looking at their finances to start planning for their future? And like you said, 401ks or, you know, planning for your retirement or, you know, whatever people who are entrepreneurs often, aren't even putting money away for their future because they're just operating their business and thinking, well, someday I'll sell my business and that will be like what I'll use for retirement. Um, But really focusing on doing something now to save for your future is really important.
2: Yeah. And that's probably one of the biggest things that um, I've seen looking at older entrepreneurs who are at retirement age and them trying to sell their businesses and, if they were doing that a couple years ago maybe they're able to sell it but or maybe they had a business that has been replaced by by a change mm-hmm. in technology or just because some big business you know like if you own a small little mom and pop hardware store it's going to be really hard to sell that because of the home depots and lows and menards mm-hmm. and like all the competitors out there so then when i think about that as someone that's pr- pretty early stage in my journey i think well there's a lot of different changes that could happen in technology, in business. I I don't know that I want to be counting on 30 mm-hmm. years from now being able to sell my
1: business. Right. Yeah, that's definitely important. So we've been sharing lots of, you know, great tips that have just come up as we've had conversation. But is there anything else that you want to share with these small business owners for them to remember as they're operating their businesses?
2: Yeah, I I think... The, the the biggest thing is I think it's the importance of the questions that you're asking. Um, and sometimes we just look for solutions when we're asking the wrong question, right? How can I increase my, my sales, right? Might not be the right question, mm-hmm. but how could I in, improve my profit margin? How could I reduce my operating expenses? How could I shift 1% um, toward myself, right? How could... What's it going to take to, you know, fill, fill in the blank and just mm-hmm. keep asking those kind of questions can really be a different thing. So many people are focused on how do I just make more money, make more money, make more money, and they're not looking at those side of things, which is really where the some really cool stuff can happen mm-hmm. that you wouldn't expect it, but actually helps you make more money um, right. as well.
1: So, if people want to learn more about the concepts that we're talking about right now, like, what resources would you recommend? I know you've recommended, like, you had a couple thought leaders in the past that you mentioned in the last few minutes, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, what other resources do you think are helpful having been there, done that type thing?
2: Yeah, well, there's a whole… you know, like communities surrounding the the thought leaders, right, that I mentioned um, with Pamela Yellen, Mike Michalowicz, and Perry Marshall, you could Google them, you'll find way, way lots of things. But there's also like groups of entrepreneurs that are taking these ideas seriously, and thinking through how can we come together as Uh, a community to be committed to these kind of things together, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a podcast called Profit First Nation where it's a whole group of entrepreneurs saying, we're going to be some of the best businesses that take our profit first. Let's figure that out together, right? There's a whole... um collection of different, you know, bank on yourself revolutionaries that, that are business owners that are figuring out how do we do this together? And that's part of what my husband and I were trying to create more and more of that camaraderie around people who are uh, going along that way. Um, That, that can be like within different uh, areas of the country, those form locally, but right now, most of them are uh, virtual, Right. I mentioned a podcast or different right. things. Um, there, there's plenty of resources um, that are there and that can help you not just like read the books or listen to the podcast, but think through how do you implement it? What do you do uh, to make that happen?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's so important, too. I mean, I've been part of a mastermind group myself for many, many years, and it's a small group of, you know, eight of us or so. And we did meet in person, you know, but now, of course, it's been virtual for quite a while since we all have to stay home, you know, stay safe. Uh, but whether it's virtual or you're in person or, you know, however it works, just having where you can share, you know, I have the struggle or I have this idea, You know, what do you think? And getting feedback from other people and their perspective, which is, you know, always different from our own, too. And having that encouragement and, you know, I I just think it's really important. And having that available now, it, it seems like there are much more available now because people do have to be home. And so people are thinking, how can I... You know, be reaching out or be a support. And a lot of things are available through technology now online as well. So I definitely encourage people to look for those resources.
2: Yeah, and for the the lady business owners out there that are listening, I'd encourage you to check out this uh, group called Women Belong. That's doing some really great things to bring women business owners together to create those kind of little masterminds that go Mm -hmm. a little bit beyond that, too, to refer each other business and do some really cool stuff. I think it's womenbelong.com. I'm a a member, and I've gotten lots of benefit from uh, being part of that community.
1: Mhm yeah that's important to bring up too i mean i've been part of i'm part of of course my local chamber as well yeah. and then i had um i'm part of a like leads group that you meet once a week you know and you're one person per industry and you build relationships i've been in that group since two thousand and six and so i built long-term relationships of people I trust. And then I definitely can refer them. And when I know someone has a challenge, I can be like, oh, I know someone that can help you with that too. And it's it's not just some random person or something too. You know, I know they're going to do a great job. So those are important. But even, like you said, the women's group, I actually just finished my presidency um, yesterday uh, for a organization that I um, have been part of for quite a few years. <laughs> and it's a great group too, because it's women who are, whether it's corporate or they're individual entrepreneurs or whatever, but you're there for a mission. Like our mission is to raise money to give scholarships to women, you know? Mm. And so, but business comes from it as well too, but the support that everyone gives each other too. So it, it is amazing if you could find those groups, And it will help you through, and especially if you're a new entrepreneur, like I actually didn't have family or anyone really other than a grandfather, I didn't get to see very often, because actually, he lived in the Midwest, I was in California, and his business was seasonal. And so... I didn't see a lot of entrepreneurship. I had no idea what I was doing when I started. I didn't plan to be a business owner. So if someone's starting out and they don't really know what they should be doing, how they should be marketing, you know, who they should be networking with, just finding an organization whether it's a local chamber or a networking group that can help them through that, I think is important.
2: 100%. I would say I that was really instrumental for us too when we were first
1: starting. Well, and if you had Like you said, your husband loved going to coffee shops and stuff, but, you know, did you have family members on either side that really had been in entrepreneurship in any method way before, or were you guys the first ones that kind of started out?
2: Yeah, we were the first ones. I think my dad at some point had started to, he was more of a trades person. He tried to start his own plumbing business, but then I was born and he became the stay at home dad. So I didn't really experience any entrepreneurship uh, growing up.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that if you've had that, like they can also help you because they understand it. Um, But like my family has always been very supportive. But if you're saying like, gosh, I work all these hours and I go home and then I dream about my business at night because I'm worried about X, Y, Z. They don't always understand, you know, because they've worked for a company or, you know, whatever the organization might be. Um, but they offer their support, but that was the one thing that I really enjoyed being able to call my grandfather and say, Hey, this is my challenge I'm facing. And, you know, we'd be able to talk about it a little bit, but, um, it was a bit different, too, because, again, his was seasonal and mine. And his was a different, completely different thing. Mine's financial. His, He used to actually pave, you know, the, like asphalt ceiling because, again, he's in the Midwest and the snow and all that stuff, airports and parking lots and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit different. But having that kind of sounding board, I think, is really good if someone is new. And especially right now when they're going through a crisis, what should I be doing? I don't know. Should I do this or should I do that? You know, having someone to really talk to.
2: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. if I can add, so even though I didn't have any entrepreneur in my family or even business person, I did have a mom who was, has always been my cheerleader. You know, since I was little, it was always, you can do whatever you set your mind Mm -hmm. to and that kind of thing. I think... Everyone needs that kind of person, too, particularly mm-hmm. when you get to a crisis moment, to just remind you, you can do it. You can right. figure it out, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, when you're in the midst of, you know, fear or, like, I, I don't know what to do, having that person that says, you know, you may not know, but you're going to be able to figure it out. And, you know, we're here to support you, whatever happens is definitely important, I yeah. think. And
2: that's, and that's the person to call, right? Not the people that are... uh not going to have any uh,
1: cheerleading kind of support like that, right? we have to be strategic in who we reach out to that way. Oh, that's so true. I actually had a business coach that told a story once about how she said she was going to start a business and a lady told her, no one's going to pay you for that because they can do it for free, right? And when she told her husband and he said, Is that the kind of person that you want to listen to or do you want to have the people who are encouraging you to go out and do, you know, what you want to do and be successful? And she is successful at it right now, too, you know. So if she would have listened to that one person, she probably wouldn't have even started her business. So, Mm -hmm. like you said, finding that person that you really want to have encouraging you. And not that it's rose-colored glasses either, you know, like everything's going to be hunky-dory perfect, but just having them say – you know, we support you. We're here to help you. And, you know, let us know how we can help or, you know, if you want to talk. Yep.
2: And if we can be that for other entrepreneurs, like the, because so because we had so many people tell us that's never going to work. You don't have any money to start a coffee shop. You're, you know, you're still paying off your student loans. Why would you ever do that? Uh There's enough people saying that, that anytime I talk to an entrepreneur, I try to say, well, you, you can figure it out. Let's, let, let's try to figure it out together. Like what some of your challenges rather than telling them you can't do it.
1: Right. I think just pointing out, just making sure you plan, like you said, you had a business plan. You were really thinking things through. So don't just start it thinking everything's going to be great. You know, realize, realize there will be challenges that you have to face, but really looking at everything um, and figuring out how to handle it is what it is. Not just like, oh, it's going to be, you know, fine. Nothing's going to be wrong. <laughs> right. 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 Yep. <laughs> you know? so for sure okay so actually this has been great we have uh another break that we need to take so be sure to hang around to hear more from amanda neely on what you need to be doing in your own business especially now during this crisis Um, but we'll be right back after this brief commercial break
0: the boardroom to you voice america business network are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping are you frustrated with your lack of quickbooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation affordable bookkeeping and payroll services is here to help We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload asks that burden you? Reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. You are listening to BizHelp For You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at a-b-a-n-d-p.com. Now, back to BizHelp For You.
1: Welcome back to BizHelp For You with Candy Messer. Today, I'm chatting with Amanda Neely, and let's find out a bit more information from her on how she was experiencing her business and things that she's doing now. So Amanda, like I just mentioned, I would love to know what you are doing now. We know you sold your coffee shop. Um, so what is your newest thing? Yeah, so the day after we sold
2: the coffee shop, we started training with the famous Mark Willis that had uh, we had been working with since uh, 2013, we started, uh, training with him to do exactly what he does and then, uh, learn how to add our own spin to it as well. And so that that's what we do is we work with people. We're in the process of becoming certified financial planners, we're still under him so that we act, can act like that. And, um, he oversees what we do right now. Um, But because we have that experience as business owners, we found that a lot of the people that we work best with and that love working with us are business owners and we're able to help them think through how the personal side and the business side of their finances while they need to stay separate for tax reasons and all that kind of thing but how they intermingle to help them actually fulfill those goals and dreams and the reason they became an entrepreneur a business owner in the first place
1: Right. I do want to just throw in there too, if anyone does want to hear that interview with Mark that I did, that aired on May 12th. So you could go to Voice America on my uh, business channel page and you'll find that uh, interview there as well. It was great information. And we've kind of touched on it a little bit today too. on you know, just putting money away and not, you know, depending on just your business to finance everything. So, how has the current crisis then been similar to the ones that you experienced so we can help the person who's going through this crisis now really be able to learn from what you had gone through?
2: Yeah. So if you remember that first crisis that we went through with the polar vortex and the the big thing that we did was keep the lines of communication open and talk with our best cu- customers and ask them, like, What's happening for them? Uh, what have what it's changed for them? And that showed us the opportunity to offer catering services. So when COVID hit, and we're we realized we just we lost some business. It's not going to happen. Um, that's exactly the first thing we did was start communicating with Mm -hmm. some of our best clients. How are you doing? What's going on for you? What's changed? How, um, how can we serve you? Not necessarily looking for, how can I sell you something, but Mm -hmm. how, how, like, what is the opportunity in this situation? Anytime there's a crisis, there's all, there are always opportunities. And that first crisis taught us like how to do that. And that's been really helpful to us. It's actually helped show us that what a lot of people need isn't to move money right now, but to take some time to learn about Mm -hmm. how to take more control over their finances. Um, They're, you know, instead of watching just random videos on YouTube, they can take some of this time to do some self-education. So we've been ramping up what that looks like to spread more educational messages so that people can use this time to become more informed. So that then when things change, they're ready to do business and we're ready to do business with them. That, that was one example there. And then um, we're also thinking, we don't know exactly how long this crisis is going to last, right? The winter right. in Chicago, right? That was three months. We knew like it's eventually going to get warm again. Right. Uh, the flood on the uh, at the coffee shop, we knew eventually they're going to put the roof back on. All the cleanup's going to be done. We can reopen. But this is one of those that's unique and we're not sure how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And that one of the things we know that for sure helped us get through, especially that second crisis, was keeping cash available. So even... When we're now a little scared, should we do this opportunity? Should we, you know, uh, uh, do this or that? Where should we invest money to grow our business right now? we're We're making sure if this lasts for another six months or if this lasts for another year, depending, you know, on vaccines and all kinds of things that are outside of our control, let's make sure we've got that healthy cushion so that we're not dependent on another, stimulus package to be passed by Congress or another sale to be made or what have you. Um, And really thinking strategically about what does it look like to prepare in case there's domino effects Mm -hmm. or, and, but also if there's a sharp recovery and things return, you know, to closer to normal really quickly that we feel like, okay, we, now we, we can like, make this investment or do this big spend that we thought we were going to do. We kept our options open both ways. So it's kind of what we're thinking about within our own business
1: personally. Right. Well, I'd love to go back really quickly to when you were talking about communicating with your best customers. Like what was your, did? were you already in like a lot of communication with your customers before, like with the newsletter or like other methods? And so it was easy to kind of reach out to them or like, what was your process in terms of that? Because some people may be, you know, sending out a lot of information currently and it would be easy to do that, but maybe mm-hmm. some it's not something that they're able to do as easily. So I would love to just hear like that part of it.
2: Yeah, so we, um, we've we been doing weekly emails and um, ev- for a long time, years, I feel like, um, with our former business, then we just continued that with this business. Um, and then we're, we're doing a podcast every other week. And then... But the biggest thing, because you actually have to get like the feedback too, it's not just you send out this broadcast message uh-huh. and you hear crickets. We we wanted people to respond. And the best way to do that is on the phone. Um, And a lot of our business is built on talking to people on the phone with all of our clients. We're talking to them at least every six months, if not more regularly than that. So for us to pick up the phone and call them didn't seem weird. right? Uh-huh. And to just say, I'm not, I'm not here to sell you anything. I just want to check in, see how you're doing. Um, You know, that, uh, that had a different tone to it. Um, But it was also the tone we always have, right? Right. How are things going? What, what kind of things are you struggling with? What opportunities do you have? And how do we fit into what's going on? Um, Mm -hmm. That was easy to continue that conversation rather than have to start it from scratch.
1: Right. So, I know, like you said, you are kind of comparing, you know, the crisis you went through kind of to COVID a little bit right now, you know, and then mention that, well, this one is a little bit different because we just don't know how long it's going to last. But, you know, are there other things that you feel in this crisis that are different, but you can kind of, you know, point out to the entrepreneurs, like, yes, you're in the middle of this and it's really difficult and it's a little bit vague, you know, but what you can be doing to kind of still really look at your finances and try to be in a position that is more positive than negative?
2: Yeah, because I think there's so now for us personally, it's different because we have um, some passive income, right? We're not we're not just selling coffee <laughs> to mm-hmm. someone across the counter, but we've built up some income that's going to come in on its own. Um, we don't have to work for anymore. And there's some great opportunities for businesses that do have that. And I hope lots of businesses do. Um but the other part that would be different if if we were, you know, like that difference of we don't know how long this crisis is going to last. If I was back in the coffee shop shoes to, uh, you know, with no money coming in or very little, that's, that's when I'd use that time to still build something um, to uh, build my community, to pour into my community. Uh, my best clients and customers to uh figure out uh staff I'm uh, you know a big thing that's different is the EIDL and the PPP mm-hmm. and to be able to use that as leveraging right so even if i a barista is not making a bunch of lattes there are other things they they can do to make sure the business is ready for the next thing, or to maybe start doing home delivery of coffee beans, or, you know, mm-hmm. something. Um, I think that's kind of the unique opportunity here is that um, if we have staff, there's ways we can leverage them and think through, what does it look like to, for them to be able to still provide for their families, and to make sure the business is solid and going to get through this. and actually be stronger on the other side.
1: Right. So then what tactics are you seeing the small business owners use, you know, to do the business right now?
2: Yeah, there's there's totally been, um, as I'm talking to people, that they are doing that, go talk to cl- cl- clients and customers, find out what they need. And I think that's a great tactic that shows you all the other tactics that you might need. Mm-hmm. But the the other thing um, is this idea of um, backing up the process? So food, del- you know, like food, coffee is really easy to picture this with. If you're if you're a restaurant, your process, right? Like what you, how you're making money before the crisis hit was that you put food on a table and someone pays you for it. And a lot of restaurants have been taking a step back to say okay, well, if, let's deliver it now or do curbside pickup. So we're not actually setting it on their table. We're taking a step back and we're just handing them the food. And then if you take a step back from that, it's um, instead of handing them the food pre-cooked, maybe you could do meal kits where then mm-hmm. they get all the same ingredients and then they cook it at home, right? And then you take a step back from that, it could be teaching them to cook or mm-hmm. um, uh, different kinds of things. And so I think that's a really... Uh, interesting opportunity that businesses have with whatever materials inventory they have you know kind of the typical all the people with fabric started making masks and other kinds right. of ppe there there could be all and then all kinds of things with within whatever kind of raw products you have but also with services if you can't you know drive someone in an uber car right now what's the step back from that um you know, what? or maybe Uber is not the best example since mm-hmm. business owners, hopefully you're not driving <laughs> Uber. Um, but what, like, maybe you own a limousine company, and it's hard to, you know, do limousines right now for, you know, because there's no weddings or, you know, things. Well, what's a step back from that? Like, there's all kinds of car parades going on. How mm. could you be involved in that, right? Like, there, just to be thinking creatively and use that step back strategy
1: mm -hmm. That's a good point, too, because, I mean, definitely, I've seen a lot of creative ideas coming out during this time that people maybe hadn't thought of before. And so, like you're saying, just thinking and coming up with some creative ideas is really important. And again, having that feedback from other people, it'd be really good, too. Like, obviously, I can't provide the service now, but is there something that I could do for you, you know, or something, too? And just getting that feedback, like you said, from those customers or friends or, or things like that, just to make it through this time and and I know I read recently too that in the in the 2008 you know 2009 when there was like really really bad you know recession had hit and a lot of people struggled that some of the best businesses we have right now came out of that you know and so during that challenge you know they established themselves so the, it'll be interesting to see what happens when this kind of ends and what's kind of coming out strong
2: yeah and that actually that reminds me of something else that I've seen people doing because if you think back, there's and people tell their stories um, over the last 12 years, the, a lot of people talk about, well, pre-2008, I was doing this, and then post, I started doing that, and here's what the journey has been like. That's exactly the kind of stories people are going to be telling about 2020, right? Pre-2020, right. I was doing this, and then this shifted, here's what I started doing, and here's what the journey has been like since then. Um, lots of people are doing career shifts, business shifts, all kinds of things to put yourself 12 years into the future, 2032 and ask yourself, what's the story I want to tell and go about it that way, rather than just listening to your customers or rather than just trying to figure out what's going to make most business sense. I think touching into our hearts and uh, our emotions about that too. What is the story I want to tell? And uh, balancing those things together is where We get the best stories and the best businesses and, you know, all that kind of thing, too.
1: Yep. Well, we're actually at the end of the show. Can't believe our time has gone by. So I'd love for you to tell me any offer you have to share and how our listeners can connect with you.
2: Yeah, I love talking to people and just exploring questions they have, thinking through how to answer those questions. The best way to do that is to go to grandmaswealthwisdom.com slash start, S-T-A-R-T, and that's where you get started uh, with us and uh, set up a call or find out other ways to learn more about what we're doing to help people and specifically the self-employed breakthrough to a smart, stable financial future using time-tested wisdom that hasn't just been around since the 1980s.
1: Okay. And do you have a, like a phone number or any social media you want to sh- quickly share with us?
2: Yeah. I, um, you can find all of it on our website, but the best way to reach us is by phone and it's 513-447-6501.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you, Amanda, for being a guest on my show. And I want to thank the listeners for tuning in today. I hope you found this topic interesting and that it answered some questions about how you can operate your business in this crisis and be saving for your future as well. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Amanda at any of the link that she shared the phone number or the website or send us a message at mediaabnp.com. At and would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd really appreciate your support. Next week's topic is using video to promote your business. I hope you can join us for this presentation. And please remember you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is www.abnp.com. Links can be found on my Voice America page. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on www.voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week.
0: Thank you for listening to bizhelp for You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.